Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. And we have a special guest this week. We do. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly Christine. And I do the haunted tours here in Duluth, Duluth Ghost Tours. Remember when I said that I won the Haunted Tours, which I have not gone on yet, but I won one and I was freaking out about it on the podcast. This is who I was talking yeah. about. And I'm the Haunted Tours is a thing we have been sorely lacking, considering For how real, many haunted though. locations we have in this town. Yeah. Like we got yeah. all those fucking Segway tours that run around downtown. Oh, really? I haven't seen those yet. It's funny. It's just a group of tourists all in helmets, just like... It's very nerdy. <laughs> I love it so much. But we have been lacking a ghost tour, for sure. Oh, I know. You know, when I, when I was doing the research, I saw there was one tour company, and they shut down pretty much like COVID. The experience, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was like, what? <gasps> so I'd be the only one coming into town? So I got really excited about that, you know. <laughs> so I'm the only one. But now, if you guys have heard that, there's a new historical society coming in and buying up the North Lighthouse, and they are going to be giving tours there. What North Lighthouse? Wait, what? The North Lighthouse. Which is the North Lighthouse? The the, the most popular one that everyone the one walks in Canal Park? To. Yep, Cornell Park. The yep, one that's like sorry. on the end of the pier? Yep. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. So I contacted the the people and they never got back to me. Maybe they will. Maybe and they're just like, busy. Let's get together. You know, let's try to work something out. I'd love to do something here too. That would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. Okay. So uh, ghost tours. Mm-hmm. But I understand you're also uh, not just doing ghost tours, but you're you're a little little sensitive. Not so much. Um, I'm a Reiki master. Um, um, I'm starting to do some psychic uh, d- development as well. So I'm a psychic cert- certified psychic one um, practitioner. But uh, I wouldn't say, a s- well, I guess you can kind of say I'm a sensitive, especially where my story is going to be leading a little bit later. But um, I don't think of it that way. I, I-, I just think I'm-, I'm a normal person and I just have these experiences, right? Because yeah. we-, we all have abilities not me (laughs) kayla is sadly not haunted (laughs) it's like the number one thing she wants in the world and she she just isn't happening for her and she's so sad yeah we talk about how i might have a ghost but i never catch her it's always fucking uh britney that catches her and then the one time i've gotten her to communicate with me on the ouija board it was with my sister there who my sister's a ghost fucking magnet but i (laughs) can never get anything to happen with just me well and maybe it it, maybe it's how you're hoping to perceive it the experience you know because like the clairs there's the five main clairs right claire claire sentience claire cognizance clairvoyance claire audience you know what you hear all of our senses yeah mm-hmm. and we all have one ability stronger than another for you you might be it's claire desperance <laughs> <laughs> you're just an open portal that's all you're like she nobody's wishes. knocking on my door <laughs> Nobody wants me, except for Alice, and all she does is interfere with our recordings. She just whispers sometimes while we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Just had one, like, last week. 
Yep. 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 Last week I, uh, I had a, I was listening to it and Kayla was talking and there was like a, like really quick, really short, but I don't whisper while Kayla's talking. So I'm like, I don't think it was me. Though the first two times that we caught it, we were actually recording via Zoom. So she was talking and it was the only audio coming from her because I would take both of our clips and then combine them to edit the episode. So it was happening at her house while she was talking and you could hear someone whispering in the background. And we would always record when Sean wasn't around or if he was around, he was playing video games with his headphones plugged in, completely silent. Mm. And then we'd be recording and Brittany would just hear a very blatant like, <sighs> oh yeah, it's, she sighed a lot. And then <sighs> and then Brittany would be like, was that me? That's rude. Was that me? <laughs> and then I'd silence my my line and it was like, no, it's still there. So yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, Kayla would be talking and all of a sudden you'd hear. And, <sighs> and I've tried to communicate with Alice and I feel it's not threatening because I've never felt threatened. But the only time I've ever gotten to her to respond is when my sister was with me because my sister is a ghost magnet, like many of my friends are. And I'm just over here like, hi. <laughs> I want to believe. I want the to be The truth is out there. <laughs> you know, Help maybe it's me. one of those things, you you know, you need to have some sort of an accident that'll make your, you know, your eyes change different colors like David Bowie or something. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And that's sometimes when people... They do open up something. Something in them breaks. You know what you need, Kayla? What head trauma? <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I'm a klutzy enough. It could happen. Snap out of it somewhere. It's, it'll it'll happen, but it will. It will. Well, with this in mind, I have a story to share this week. Yeah. Um, I decided to get Midwesty with it. Um, because we have a guest, a local guest, and I was like, well, we won't stray too far from home. Awesome. Um, could not find anything in this direct Duluth area that we haven't covered yet with enough information. Mm -hmm. So I went with a location (laughs) in Wisconsin. Um, a little content warning. Um, this is a, the... Location uses insensitive language. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally am trying to correct myself, but even as I am constantly trying to edit myself, I still find myself saying things like, oh, that's crazy. Yep. I know that we're trying to avoid it. I miss it all the time. There are some instances where stuff comes up, know that I know that it is not the correct language and I'm working on it, but some of this stuff I have to say it in order for it to be relevant. Right. 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 So no, it's always it's always good to keep that in mind. I also I've kind of taken on um, M from and that's why we drink. I've been trying to say more of what they say, which is bananas. It, yep. was, bananas. it was bananas. Yeah, yep. that's a popular word. <laughs> and it's great because it's A-N-A-N-A-S. funny. Uh-huh. So like and I just like know that I'm aware of it and I am aware that this is insensitive. A lot of the sources that I had made no effort to correct it. Like. I'm not surprised. So I'm trying, but there's, I, I try to say the facility a lot, but anyway. Anyway. Yeah, yeah babe, babe, babe. So I'm guessing that it's an insane asylum? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this area that I'm about to talk about is now home to the Marshfield Scrap Company. Oh, they probably, they really went downhill. Or Who's- improved. <laughs> I don't know. I guess let's find out. 
Their motto on their website is, we put the S in scrap, except the S is a dollar sign. Because <laughs> without the dollar sign, it's just Junk. dot, 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 meaning like scrap, yeah. dollar sign. Crap. They're saying it's crap. Without the, without the S, it's crap. <laughs> Such a fucking Scani motto right there. I mean, I don't love to rip on the Scanis, but I'm, I'm never moving to Wisconsin. I do. <laughs> Except for this delightful Earthrider beer that we're drinking. Yeah, this delightful oh, Earthrider yeah, beer. Lovely. We would never rip on Wisconsin when it comes to Earthrider beer. No, it's the best thing it's got going for it. <laughs> okay. So this is one of those sites where... Different sources have varying information, I'm guessing due to a lot of local lore and to dramatize events. Mm-hmm. As always, I'm going to try to share what seems most credible and the most common amongst my sources. The location of Marshfield Scrap is the former site of a mental health facility. Although the current property owner spent three years dismantling, demolishing, and raising the old rotting condemned structure, many landmarks still exist. And we know that, like with many mysterious old and sometimes haunted buildings, the history of the site still exists in legends and lore locally especially. The Wood County Board passed a resolution in 1909 to build a county insane asylum. An area along what is now County Highway A or South Gavin Avenue was selected due to its nearness to two railroad lines. It was a 640-acre piece of prime farmland as Wisconsin is apt to have. And many people in the community worked on building, and uh, many of the supplies were purchased locally and made right on site. So it was kind of glorified as this great place for local businesses. Which is a really weird, like, end goal to celebrate local. Exactly. So thus began the building for the Northwood County Asylum for the Chronically Insane. The building was 284 feet in length and 194 feet wide. The west wing interior was painted blue for the men, and the east wing interior was painted pink for the women because we love gendered coloring. Grope. Also, pink is the closest to red, which inspires anger, and blue is the most calming. Why did we not get blue? Well, and actually, though, technically, I mean, blue is calming, but it's actually, it can also uh, pro, like, that's the word I'm looking for. I don't it can know. prompt sadness oh. if not used correctly. Interesting. Blues, the blues, they got the blues. Yeah. Um, right. There are so to many me, things I look in at this house that are blue. It's tranquil when you see like a, a beautiful lake blue, or blue velvet couch. But a lot of it depends on the tone of the blue, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. I've definitely seen some blues that make me sad. Uh, the West Wing nurses' stations were a lot more secure than the East Wing. Reminder, the East Wing was the women's side of the station. That makes sense. And, and in also the s- sad. The center wing basement was the activity room, and on top of that was the superintendent's quarters. So it's kind of like a center and then spread out one side each. Okay. An underground tunnel about eight feet tall, six feet wide, and 1,000 feet long linked the main building to a heating plant, a water tower, a shower room, and a storage area. The tunnel ran under Highway A, leading to the Herdsman's Cow Barn and House. Okay. It's Wisconsin. They have to have a cow barn. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is the kind of additions we're looking for. (laughs) 
Uh, this tunnel had many purposes, one of which was to provide a safe pathway for the patients and the employees to get to the barn. A second purpose was for the electrical wiring and steam pipes that heated the connected buildings. The top of the tunnel was 14 inches of reinforced concrete. It was constructed with a crown in the middle to get any water to flow to the ends of the tunnel where pumps and drains were connected to avoid problems with freezing in the winter. Good, good, good. Skylights were built into the tunnel to help with ventilation and to provide sunlight. Lights lined the tunnel so they were always able to see even if it was cloudy. How how close to the surface was it this was tunnel? It was very close to the surface. Okay, so it was like... Mm. It, was, it was not like a tunnel to, like be secretive it was literally just so you could commute without having to travel outside okay so 14 inches was the top of the the top for concrete and then grass yep pretty much Mm. a one lane bowling alley was located in the lower level some of the patients even participated in a bowling league that competed with teams from other facilities well that's cute (laughs) christmas party uh, the building was completed on June 10th of 1910 with L.E. Glisson as the acting superintendent. The faculty could board up to 250 patients and staff 19 people. The hospital was named the Northwood County Asylum for the Chronically Insane, but in 1969 they just changed it to Norwood. Oh, that's good. Why is it that around this area we just cut off like the TH? North Shore, uh. Norwood... I think that if you listen to us talk, we do that a lot just vocally. Oh, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah we're just, we're we'll up, just, we're just going it. up to the North Shore. North, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I really think that's what it is. I think we have a tendency to do that because that's really how we talk. That is actually true because when I do my intro for the radio show, I always say, um, I say it every time and I don't remember what it is, but yeah, I always say the North Shore. And then there's also like nor'eastern, the nor'eastern, yep. yeah, the nor'east, yeah. Honestly, sometimes That's... you say, sometimes you say Duluth, but you you just go Duluth. Uh, I always try and say Duluth. You but say it's... it, you say that you do, but if you get talking, you'll mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I always mess up because I when I first started, I said to my new coworkers at the radio station that I have a really hard time saying Duluth local. Because I, I host the Duluth Local show. <laughs> I'm like, the Duluth Local. That's That sounds funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The the Duluth Local show. Seriously, try it. Duluth Local? See, you got... <laughs> it's hard. I don't think it's that hard. Pronunciation. <laughs> Pronunciation. The Duluth Local just show. Think how much easier it would be if you just got rid of that TH. The Duluth Local show. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> Stupid. The local. The local. The local. local. All right. (laughs) So this was considered a boarding place for, and I'm using quotes here, the incurably insane. That was their description. Basically, people with um, mental health concerns that society at that point, as we know, deemed that they weren't fit to, like, hang out with the rest of us. So... These people were expected to perform daily farm chores. Of course. They can't hang out with society, but they can do all the chores. Mm. There was an 18-acre garden where participants grew their own vegetables. Mm. The fruit orchard provided pears, many types of apples, raspberries, blackberries, and cherries. The vegetables, fruits, and berries were eaten fresh and then canned for the winter. Some of the original apple orchard still remains. They also had big bee boxes to pollinate the trees and produce honey. 
The farm produced grade A milk that was transported to a Marshfield plant where it was pasteurized and then brought back for the residents to use. And then the extra milk was put on the market for the public. Tobacco was also grown on the farm for patients, and the extra was sold to the public. (laughs) The money that was raised on the farm would pay for the supplies needed for both facilities. Female patients sewed articles such as aprons, dresses, vests, and nightgowns. Quilts, dresser scarves, and dollies, and they also made bandages for war. Mm. Okay, I'm sorry. These folks, they're doing just fine. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about here with the incurable insanity. Like, what? That's therapy right there. Yeah. So, as we said, it was completed and opened in 1910. In By 1915, Northwood brought $13,580 into the community. and today's money, that would be 402256 huh. Jesus. Yep. In 1933, the greenhouse was built. In 1934, livestock on the farm consisted of 160 head of cattle, 225 hogs, 20 horses, and 900 chickens. Oh, wow. They were believed to have had the best dairy herd in the U.S. at the time. Over the years, this facility was a model experimentation solution for other asylums and mm-hmm. received great respect from the country, and it was considered extremely self-sustainable. I'm just waiting for the, but then. (laughs) I'm not there yet. (laughs) Overpopulation happened. In 1935, a patent was developed for the shade system on the greenhouse that they had. Uh, Many people traveled there to adopt the, like, superintendent's ideas of farm construction and building plans. This building was thought to bring about 500 relatives of the patients per month who were hoped to frequent the local hotels, thereby boosting the local economy. Uh, The Frisbee Railroad Station ran adjacent to the asylum property. Many patients, family, and people just interested in the asylum were brought in and then, like, they traveled by train. Like, basically what they're getting at here is that this building, on top of being a place to whatever was great for the economy. All of this is building up how great it was for the economy. I mean, even just the building of it initially was all local. Yep. In 1936, one of the barns burned completely down to the ground, leaving nothing behind. L.E. Gilson never wanted that to happen again, so he built a new barn entirely out of bricks. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. That barn is still standing today. Mm -hmm. So, seems pretty basic for the time, right? Not good, but... It's what we've come to expect of stories from that time and place. I don't know. It actually doesn't sound, other than the title, so far, it doesn't seem that bad. It was a place for people who didn't have a place elsewhere. A place for having a work life, to see their family, produce jobs for locals, and bring in business for other local companies. But it really wasn't that beautiful. (laughs) Because something we know from any other asylum story we've covered on this podcast before, there were problems. Yellow fever. I'm guessing abuse. Electroshock therapy. Brittany Brittany for the win. (laughs) We've done a couple of these. (laughs) Electroshock therapy was used on hundreds of patients at the facility. Patients of all ages underwent electroshock treatments for every type of disorder, including but not limited to depression, mania, schizophrenia, truancy. Truancy? That's not a mental disorder. Homosexuality. (laughs) 
Electroshock therapy was uh, usually administered to patients in a series of treatments raising, ranging from six to over 100. Oh, my God. The patients were shackled to a gurney. A rubber block was inserted into the mouth to prevent biting on the tongue. Conducting jelly was rubbed on the temples, and then electrodes were connected. A doctor pressed a button, and an electric current went through the brain, causing a grand mal seizure for approximately 20 seconds. This did more than just affect the brain. When a patient would wake up about 30 minutes later, they could have something as small as a headache, all the way to broken bones and fractured vertebrae yeah. as common side effects. Yeah, because your body is still reacting to the electricity. Just having a plastic block in your mouth Thrashing. doesn't stop you from like... Mm. Thrashing, yeah. Yeah. This form of, and I use this term extremely use, like loosely, therapy, mm. was used until the 1960s. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm fairly certain that electroshock therapy is something that's still offered, but it is entirely different. Mm. <laughs> well, no, I mean, at this facility, it was oh, used okay. until the 60s. Okay. Yeah. But still, yes, I, I think it is very, if if it is still offered, I think it is a different it's, form it's, now. It's well, not just like electrodes, boop. Yeah, no, it, it's, <laughs> it's used for actual therapy, not just frying someone's brain so they behave better and they're no longer truant. Multiple other forms of shock treatments, not using electricity, were done at Wood County. One method was by submerging patients into an ice water bath until they lost consciousness to exude a massive shock to their brain. Did they also then put them in hot water? Because I know sometimes people would go back and forth. They just said ice baths. Contrast therapy. Uh, Some people believe that they needed to get crisis, quotes, out of their system, so they used to induce vomiting for hours or even days. Oh, my God. They also used bleeding practices. This was supposed to bleed the bad blood out of the patient. Well, I mean, that happened for a long time. This practice would usually result in death or the patient would need lifelong care. (laughs) Restraints were also used on many patients so the staff could handle them better. In November of 1945, Ellie Gilson retired after 35 years of service. Mm. (laughs) Uh, MJ Fernando was then appointed as the next administrator where he served until 1962. And then subsequent short-term administrators followed. There was a rumor that an orderly left and moved to Chicago immediately after two patients died suspiciously in the same way. Oh, it was the implication that they killed them or that the orderly was like, I the, cannot the story, handle this. The story of how they died is too gruesome for me to share here. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even feel comfortable. But both deaths were the same from internal injuries. Oh my. Um, by the end of the 1960s, the laws were changing and it was no longer legal to use the patients as free labor. Right. Which made the hospital farm no longer a financial mm. viability. Oh, yeah, 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 because now they actually have to pay them for the work that they're doing. Yep. It wasn't enough to be like, uh, this sustains the patient. Like, no, you actually have to pay people for their labor. Mm-hmm. Um, the original design and purpose of the facility did not fit the evolution of allowable practices, so the results were that the facility quickly became outdated. Mm-hmm. In 1974, it was closed, and the new Norwood opened in North Chestnut Avenue. Since the closing of Norwood as the hospital, 
It was regularly ransacked by looters and vandals. Stolen items include old magazine articles, newspaper clippings, a cross from the chapel, uh, fireplace and mantelpieces, fire hoses and nozzles, chandeliers, windows, radiators, doors, flooring, and pretty much anything they could carry. <laughs> radiators are fucking heavy, though, man. Heavy, but, man, if you're a scrapper, that's... It's worth that's, it. That's, oh, yeah. That'll get you some money. All right, all right. Other items were donated or sold to people in the community. Some of the windows are located in the Main Street Conservatory of Dance in Marshfield. Mm. Um, the 90-foot flagpole is their country bumpkin bar flagpole. Like, they literally, <laughs> like, the bar is called the country bumpkin bar. Oh, that seems, that seems like, <laughs> offensive. <laughs> no, country bumpkin. bumpkin bar. It's like, that's the name of their bar. And bumpkin. they took the flagpole. Uh, the original 1910 cornerstone is on display at the Norwood Health Center in Marshfield. The old building is on a few lists as one of the most haunted places in Wisconsin. There was a rumor that a maintenance man committed suicide in the tunnels and his spirit still roams in those. Another story tells of a patient that was an assistant in the boiler room. The claim is that one day he opened the door to the boiler and saw the face of the devil. He then jumped in trying to catch the devil. No one knows if his body was ever taken out. If this is the case, I have no idea how they would know about it. Like, how do they know that he saw the face of the devil and that's why he jumped in? Maybe maybe someone was there and was like, witnessed him going, the devil. But also, I'm not sure why your first instinct would be like, yeah, Satan, I'll get you. But then the other thing is like, if this is a assistant... And they're like, oh, the devil. And then they jump in and they're like, and no one knows if he was ever taken out. Like, why the fuck wouldn't they take him out? Wasn't it on fire? Yeah, but it's a boiler. You could, like, still retrieve the body. Maybe they're just like, you know what? And even then, if that's happier there. (laughs) It's not like it's something that just constantly burns. So they're like, we'll never get those ashes. Nah, fuck it. Like, no, that's not the way that works. Well, it was mixed in with all the other ashes. It's so you take out all the ashes so that you have the ashes from a body. Maybe he didn't have any family. Maybe, like, this is just, he loved this place so much. I I don't know. A lot of ashes from other bodies in there, too. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. No, it's a boiler. It's not a crematorium. It's just a boiler. Mm, well, you know, they didn't have the best practices, Kayla. You don't know what they put in that boiler. <laughs> and if somebody died in their hands, did they... Y'all did are they... presenting... No, y'all are presenting <laughs> a great example of how things, like, go... Out of hand. Like, go way out go of hand. So. They're like... And then the next thing you know, after this episode is released, everybody's like, yeah, and then this, this like, asylum they had, like, just burned hundreds of bodies in their boiler. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> I said one body went in, and I questioned it, and y'all are like, I don't know. Look, I'm just saying, you don't know. But neither do you. <laughs> this is the uh, I mean, there, uh, how simulating many, conversation. How many deaths did they say happened because of some of those electroshocks and therapy? They did not say. Okay. A lot. Uh, we're just going to assume And they lot. burned them, the ones that they did I'm just saying, <laughs> it would be a really effective way of getting rid of them. And right? no one checks the boiler for bodies. They check the crematorium. <laughs> All right, a third local legend (laughs) tells a tale of two patients who were killed in the tunnel between the main building and the farm. They are reported to also haunt the area. Reports of paranormal activity date back before the hospital was even closed. Apparitions of former patients and staff were seen both on the grounds and in the main building while the hospital was running. 
They were seen looking out of empty windows when the facility was abandoned, very rarely on the former grounds of the site, and in the remaining part of the tunnel. The spirit that is seen the most is a young girl with long, dark hair, and she would usually appear in the windows at the tunnels and seemed to be a friendly spirit from what they can tell. You know what Zach Baggins would say? Demons. Demons. Mm, <laughs> I'm with you there on that one. <laughs> in 2003, the building was deemed unstable, and the owner of the property, Chris Burt of Marshfield Scrap, uh-huh. Marshfield Crap. I bet he was really sad that those people took all those radiators before Probably. he could get it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, a scrapper, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's the new trend in heating. I mean, really, honestly, when I was looking for a house, I, I was wanting to look for houses with radiators because moist heat is the best heat. I honestly, You don't get cracky fingers and stuff. I think this is one of the first houses in Duluth that doesn't have radiators. Wow. And now that I've have this like forced air. I'm like, give me back my fucking radiators. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll take it without the clang, clang, clang. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine about that's that. true. I hated that so much. So Chris Burt, he said a three-year plan to have the whole thing torn down. Uh-huh. Burt explained the roof was gone by the time we got it, and it got a lot worse. If you look at the square footage and try to maintain that roof, it was bad. It would have cost to try to fix that roof a crazy amount of money. It just got worse and worse, and pretty soon you have water damage here and water damage there. In addition, Bert said the building had become a liability because of curiosity seekers, mm. treasure hunters, and individuals just looking for a place to go. He said there were people breaking in all of the time. If you got up on the roof after a snowstorm, the next day it looked like there was a track meet up there. <laughs> it's very That's a very Midwestern way to like, it looked like there was a track meet up there in the snow. Oh my God. <laughs> We detained, complained about, or had people cited for breaking and entering, and it was over 100 people. <laughs> that they caught. And that's what it was like. That's just that they caught. So they were like, Chris was like, yes, it's a liability, but also someone was going to end up getting hurt pretty bad. I mean, I think that's the liability part. But also just worrying about people, too, generally. Yeah, yeah. Hard all those radiators. It's not everybody's that bad. I don't know. The Chris Burt guy didn't seem like a bad guy. I don't think it was just the liability. I think he was genuinely worried people might be hurt. I think he was just mad that people already took all the radiators. That's probably how he found the place, is people were trying to sell the radiators, and he's like, where do you guys keep getting all these fucking radiators? And they're like, oh, there's an insane asylum over there. It's just chock full of radiators. I don't know. I know a lot of scrappers. I don't think the guy seems like that No, I don't think he's bad. I bet he's he's great. Um, Hardwood floors were used throughout the building before the asbestos was so popular. So there was very little, like, asbestos used, which was actually great for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's expensive to get rid of. According to the story told by Marshfield Scrap Company, although the building was abandoned for many years, there were no spider webs nor any other bugs, rats, mice, or any rodents in the building. That seems suspicious. Someone else keeping it clean. In the winter, there would be three-inch thick frost along the bottom of the stairwell walls, but it did not go all the way up. And there was no frost on the stairs. Huh. There were pictures taken where the building and the sky were very clearly seen, but when the pictures came back from the being developed, there was always a white fog in the pictures. 
Some believe it was the spirits of people that passed away in the facility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that would explain why there were no rodents or pests to take care of because they were steering clear. Huh. The other thing being like if there were really that many people that were like transients or something sticking in, maybe that scared them away. But still, generally people don't clean up after themselves. Also, all the time. dude, I live in this house 24-7 and I have spiders everywhere. <laughs> of course, I don't get rid of them. I just, I'm like, okay, friends, don't touch me. And we cool. <laughs> um, So there were many things that are normally found abandoned in buildings as well. Leftover supplies from campsites, from transients, trespassers, and the like. There were also reports that there were pools of blood leading from different rooms and down hallways, as well as bloody handprints on the wall. Though... Based on reports, they think that this was people trying to make, like teenagers trying mm. to make a creepy place creepier. Like oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. used to do all the time with uh, no plumbing. Mm-hmm. In- initiations. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When people were able to explore the building before its demolition, there were reports that they heard disembodied voices and footsteps. The bowling alley and the movie theater were still recognizable, and they said it was a very creepy experience for them, and that's where the noises seemed very prominent well yeah those are the fun places yeah Yeah. that's you know where they hang out in the fall of 2006 a group of people investigated the partially torn down facility and supposedly they received a very good evp from the building the tunnels were flooded at the time so they were not able to go in them and the article i read linked to something called cw paranormal research but when i looked it up i couldn't find anything and the website was gone and when i googled cw paranormal research i just got a bunch of links to paranormal shows on the cw network yeah, i was, I was gonna, gonna say, say yeah yeah <laughs> that that's what i assumed the winchesters yeah <laughs> currently the business that resides on the land uh like they still actually have paranormal experiences themselves. Mm. So it's not a it's a business. You can't just go explore. Do not go trespassing. We at Left of Skeptic do not condone trespassing. Mm. But if you're looking for some scraps, I'm just saying while you're there. Yeah. <laughs> with permission. So what what town is this next to? I'd have to look it up. I'm honestly not sure where Marshfield is. Um but apparently the business says that they have a bell that is set off whenever a vehicle enters the yard, which is pretty standard. Usually, like, you drive over something and it rings a bell. Mm. And uh, according to Marshfield Scrap, even on quiet, windless days, the bell will ring for seemingly no reason. Mm. They are unable to use radio frequency equipment across the old tunnels. Strange images appear in surveillance cameras. There are many unexplained computer problems and strange interference on telephone lines. And there is also an excessive amount of lightning strikes. Though that last part I'm going to attribute to being a scrap company because they probably just have a lot of metal. Mm. Yep, yep, in piles. In piles. Exactly, Mm. yep, yep. yep. Um, Well, I will say that they have, it's near a, a zoo called the Wildwood Zoo. And my phone really wanted me to know that sappy simple syrup is not far from there either. <laughs> Can I see? Okay, so if you go, um, it's three and a half hours from Duluth. Uh-huh. No, actually, I was like, I was like, if you go um, east of Wisconsin, like like east of Eau Claire through Wisconsin, like where you're almost to Stevens Point. So it's like halfway between Eau Claire and the Dells, but you'd have to go off-road. Mm. 
not off-roading, but like, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go off 94. So off-roading. Kayla, have you not heard how many cool things are around there? Mom, let's go visit Marshfield Scrap because that's halfway between your house and my sister's house. I'm going to do that. Okay. You do. I have actually zero. I, I, I don't want to go visit a scrap place. <laughs> Sounds really boring. Um... All right, as of the most recent articles I found, the only remaining piece of the old building is the barn, the brick barn. Oh, yeah, sturdy. Which remains as a historical marker in the Norwood Industrial Park in Marshfield. And with that, those are just sources. I had that last page printed, Mm. but it's just sources. What a waste of paper, Kayla. With Mm. that, I have you the story of the Marshfield Scrap Company. Because without the S, it's just crap. (laughs) Yay! So, on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what are you going to give the uh, Norwood Asylum? I'm going to give it 4.5 because a lot of horrible things happen there, even if it's not active haunting and it's just residual. There has got to be so much energy displaced in that place that I, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to give it, 4.5. I was what just going to go a solid four. Um, uh, yeah, th- because of the horrific things that had happened there, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of um, things that keep repeating um, as well as, uh, you know, most of it is gone. So I feel that nat- nature take kind of takes over a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. A l- and, and this would be interesting to see how nature has responded to that now that it, it has like the, the taken gone. over. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to see what type of flowers and plants are growing up in its place. I think something like that would be really, really cool and, and interesting. It would be really interesting because at, at a certain point, if the building is gone and then it's replaced with nature, do the, that, does that energy get like displaced and moved around and suddenly it's not, as bad as it used to be. And I, w- I want to think it does. Uh, I would hope that it does. Because the, the buildings, there's there's nothing there for them to protect them, to walk around. I'm not saying, you know, like spirits need an umbrella if it rains, you know, right. who, who knows? Um, but at some point, there's not the familiarity of the buildings that they were haunting. Exactly. So. Okay, there's exactly. not stairs I can walk up anymore. Yeah. So on that point, I'm going to give it a three like mid-ground, because I agree that there's a lot of negative energy and there's going to be reasons for it to be haunted. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't replaced with nature. It was replaced with a scrap company. Mm. Which is even So, so if anything, like, yeah. no, I don't think so. I just think that it's a different <sighs> business. And I think that if anything, like, if they're going to be one of, if they're going to want to be more haunted nature would make more sense and they might feel more comfortable. Whereas this, it's like, we're just surrounding you with junk. Mm. What is that? What is that thing you always say? Fuck this shit. I'm out. Fuck this shit. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Haunted junk. Hmm. Haunted Hmm. junk. You know, maybe somebody will buy something and it'll, it'll come home with them. It's going to be Zach Baggins. He's going to put it in his fucking museum with no justification for it. (laughs) Well, there's that demon child, obviously, because there was a child. Therefore, they are a demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Just like they're haunted. Did you listen to the six-string episode yet? No. Okay. So 
we talked about the haunted or the satanic six string, which oh, it yeah. turns out that the Zach guitar. Baggins put in his museum with zero justification. He just took like a reverb like selling article at face value, did no research and put it in his fucking museum. And then claimed and it was spooky. And then claimed that it was authentic and he authenticated it. Yep. Mm. So now my big thing is that anytime something might even slightly be haunted, he's just gonna throw it in his oh, museum. Sure. A plug here. Are are you guys familiar with the new Kirks? No. Mm mm. No. Right. <laughs> How about, the, how about the how about the um um the the series Hellier? No, okay, I've heard of it but never watched it. Yeah, so Greg and Dana Newkirk they have a uh, they're like historians. Greg Greg he's a museum curator, mm-hmm. and his wife she's a witch and she you know does a lot of green earthy witchy stuff. Yeah, and they started doing paranormal things. But uh, they ended up creating the uh, making this movie called Hellier, and in a way, it was almost like cryptid ish. Oh, so th- yeah, it, and it d- d- didn't mean to go that way, but somebody had sent them. Uh, I won't go on about it. L- look it up. Any anyway, do, 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 going back. So they get sent a lot of articles, uh-huh. a lot of haunted articles. They have a lot of haunted shit, and and they. And they oh, they travel around. Okay, oh, we yeah. cuss we cuss like a motherfucker, and that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ref- it's a reflex. <laughs> um, so um, somebody had sent them a Dybbuk box, mm-hmm. and oh, that that scares the shit out of me. And they had a friend who worked in a hospital with an MRI unit, and they scanned the Dybbuk box through the MRI, and they were able to see what was inside of it. And they're like, it's like a Glade candle. It was like totally ridiculous. Oh. Um, oh. So all these people that are selling Dybbuk boxes that are totally scamming like for thousands or hundreds of dollars, it's just a bunch of garbage. And they came to find out that the original guy who supposedly started the Dybbuk box trend uh-huh. um, was a scammer to start with. Yeah. So uh, the Dybbuk box in his museum is probably horseshit. Sorry. Well, they... I Sorry, I'm, Jack. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's <laughs> true. And also, I think that um, they trace the family, the original family of who owned the Dybbuk box. And they're like, it It was, they she used it for wine. Like, yeah. it's it's nothing. It's, yep. I don't know what you're so talking wait, about. Are we it's saying a made-up story. Every, so everything I learned that I, sc- I got scared the shit out of is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dybbuk and boxes I, do exist. Okay, so I'm thinking, like, Dybbuk it's, boxes. It's in- a real thing in i believe jewish tr- tradition but the dybbuk box like the, the is, whole jeffrey dean morgan i should be frightened as hell thing uh, is wrong yeah <laughs> okay and which was it chance the rapper who touched the dybbuk box i don't know i just know the movie with uh jeffrey dean morgan mm, yeah no which I, one the, oh was it called the dybbuk box no it's called the possession maybe okay that's not that all right all right that's been all right. Well, but yeah. So they so they they call out a lot of bullshit on on stuff. Greg and Dana. So you, yeah, you guys need to check them out. The new Kirks. Well, and Hellier. They have three. They have two seasons. They're making a third right now. Um, they're on they're on Patreon. Um, <gasps> and I am going to Waverly Hills what? in nice. May because Kindred Spirits, Amy Bruni, Adam Brown, and Greg and Dana Newkirk, as well as a bunch of other paranormal people are going to be there and we're going to investigate Waverly Hills and it's like a four-day convention. I'm so jealous. Are you going to see Chip <laughs> Coffee? Maybe. I don't know if he's going to be there or not, but maybe. 
I okay, so I've never actually watched Kindred Spirits, mm. but Christine from And That's Why We Drink is obsessed with that show and Chip Coffee. Oh my gosh. Like Chip Coffee uh responded to something to her on Instagram oh, and she had a love. complete Meltdown. meltdown. Yeah. It was great. But you're going to dig Greg, Greg and Dana. They're totally young. They're hip. He, they, he calls himself like the, the Fox Mulder. <gasps> uh, yeah. He's, they're, they're really cool. And they, they do, they do podcasts. Uh, they do, they have stuff on Patreon. They'll do live feeds and um, they opened a Dybbuk box. You got to watch that episode. Okay. I'll find it. I, th- I think it, they, they may have it uh, uh, free on YouTube to, oh, nice. to be able to watch it. I'll find it. Yeah. Yep. I'll find it and I'll share it. <laughs> All right. Before we got distracted, though, Chance the Rapper touched a Dybbuk box. <laughs> okay. Some hip-hop artists touched the Dybbuk box in Zach Baggins Museum. Oh. And I that's just the first name that came to mind. I'm not 100% sure if it's Chance the Rapper, but it's someone whose name I know, but I don't know right now. Okay. Sounds, it sounds familiar. Did anything bad happen? Did okay. he freak out? Yes. I think so. Yes. Uh, it sounds uh, he familiar. got cursed. Allegedly. Cursed with a bunch of money. <laughs> right? I mean, if it's Chance the Rapper, you not know, the, doing bad. The, th- the thing that I, t- I tell people, you know, when I'm on my tours, I'm like, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you have to be the biggest skeptic in the world. Uh, you can't just be a blind, like, I believe everything. Oh, my God, look at all the orbs in this picture. It's like, dude, and you're in an old, dusty hotel. You know, you want... <laughs> You that's know? that's why I love being on a paranormal podcast and not a paranormal investigator because I was having several conversations with lots of people in Duluth Paranormal Society who we love. I lied. It's Post Malone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Chance the Rapper hey. is just the very first name no, no, that popped in my no, head. No, that's fine. I just think it's funny that my in my brain I'm like, Post Malone, the man who looks like he just devours cigarettes by the pack, yeah. not smoking them, just eating them. Oh. Like I just, it made me, it just made me giggle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chance the Rapper. No. You're much cooler than Post Malone in my personal opinion. But I you love know, that's Post my personal Malone, opinion. but yeah, no. Mm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. so yeah, no. Um, being a skeptic, being like we don't, we we are left of skeptic. We have to, like, have a slightly skeptical approach sometimes. And we do have stories that we tell where we're like, oh, okay, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's nerd ass. Oh, God, yeah. But also on the podcast, it's fun to get into it. Yep. Whereas, like, we talk to members of the Duluth Paranormal Society, who we love, and they have to be. Like, they they can't make assumptions because it's on them to prove otherwise. Right. You know? So we get to have more fun. Yeah, way more fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a big... A big part of being an investigator, you you have to be a skeptic. You have to rule everything out yep. before you can officially deem, yes, you have a hunting. All right. Brittany, before we uh, get to your story, I understand that we have an ad this week. We do indeed. Crack on into it. And we're back. We were yeah. definitely not talking about country music that entire break. <laughs> we went no. from post Malone to country music. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, when the spirit moves you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great like description of our podcast. When Aww. the spirit moves you. Oh. Nice. Uh-huh. That's beautiful, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So a little bit of complaining. All right. So Andrea, my sister, made fun of my story last week what? about the Eastern State Penitentiary. What? And the reason why, how she made fun of me is she said, you know, 
for a while there, I kind of forgot that I wasn't listening to a history podcast. What? Implying that I said too much history, and which in all fairness, you also kind of implied that I said a lot of history. And so I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to say that like now. Um, You just said it in the recording. No, I'm just saying like, I'm not going to say it now. Yeah, yeah. So... So also, I might be extra defensive because that was a lot of history in that last story I just told. No, well, I love history, so <laughs> that's why we're here. I'm saying I'm being extra defensive. I'm, I'm, I'm I admit it. I admit it. <laughs> so this week, I'm not going to talk about history as much. Obviously, there will still be history, uh, which happens to start in May of 1825. Mm. All right, so. There's a spot called Point Lookout at the southernmost tip of Maryland's west shore of the Chesapeake Bay, right next to the Potomac River, and it desperately needed a lighthouse. So the federal government was like, let's build a lighthouse at Point Lookout. It'll stop ships from running aground, and it will guide them to the Potomac River, which I think was a big shipping area, maybe. So they approved in 1825 times, uh... $1,800 for this lighthouse project. But the landowner, a man named Jennifer Taylor, was like, no. Well, actually, at first, he had given a verbal agreement to sell the land at a much lower price if he could be the first lighthouse keeper. But then, once things already started to be built, uh, he upped the price. Shady. I know, right? And so then there was a lot of back and forth between Mr. Taylor and the federal government until finally they came to an agreement of $1,150 for this spot of barren land by this cliff. Did you happen to do the today's money thing? I have I have uh. it for a little bit later. Okay, okay. All right, so now they could finally finish their life house. I'm g- just so you know, I'm going to say that so Broken clock is much. a comfort. <laughs> Leave me here tonight. I mean, I'm thinking of the local establishment or the organization that supports homeless Holding youth. On, <laughs> barely breathing. That's what I think of. I mean, I think of Lifehouse when you say Lifehouse, like, but in that moment, I was just like, don't still healing. <laughs> anyway, so they could finally finish their lighthouse. I'm definitely going to say lighthouse so many fucking times. I typed out lighthouse so many times <laughs> in this story. Um, which began operations on September 20th, 1830 for a total cost of $4500, which in today's Day's money, money. Uh, would be $136,745. So still pretty cheap. Yeah, Can't not live that in bad. It. Yeah. Not that bad. I mean, and it means house. It's, cheaper. It's, a, it's a lighthouse. <laughs> it's cheaper than the house I bought. Yeah. People yeah. won't be, have trouble finding you. There you go. <laughs> Some might say it's a beacon <laughs> for other people. Uh, and also Jennifer Taylor was not the first lighthouse keeper, probably because the lighthouse management team was probably pretty sick of him by that point. Yeah, they're like, uh, you're going to be shady and swindle us. Uh, yeah, you don't get to you, be yeah, a lighthouse yeah, keeper anymore. Yeah, you didn't keep your end of the verbal agreement. We're not going to keep our end of the verbal agreement. Um, in fact, actually, a man named James Davis was appointed the first keeper. Though he didn't last long. James died in December of that same year. This happened in September. Uh, after which his daughter, Anna Davis, took over job as keeper. 
And surprisingly, they actually paid her the same amount of money that they were going to pay her dad. Nice. Yeah. So $350 a year. Oh, I, well, oh my God. I mean, I didn't do the conversion. No, but even, I feel like even if you did the conversion at that point, I would be still be like, oh, my God. Well, she's her. she's got like her board is taken care of. She lives in the lighthouse. No, I know. It's just like my brain is like, God, I just seen $350 a year. A year. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, she continued on as keeper uh, and a much respected one at that until her own death in 1847. Then William Wood took over manning the Point Lookout Life Light. I wrote Lifehouse. See, <laughs> <laughs> Lighthouse. Uh, but he was, well, he was considered to be like super clumsy, according to Lighthouse records. His three hundred fifty dollars a year was withheld for him after he broke most of the lighthouse's mirrors. Mm. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with lighthouses, uh, that's what's used to bounce the light into the ocean so that ships don't crash. So apparently William broke most of those. And then his cat fell into the lantern oil barrel, which contaminated that. So that had to be replaced. So they took a whole year's pay from him. But did the cat live? I think so. His cat fell into the lantern oil. Can you imagine having to wash oil off your cat oh my god it would be the worst and you know that cat's not going to sit still for that i know Uh, but like most incompetent (laughs) white men he kept his job in fact he stayed there for another six years wow until april of 1853 when it was appointed to richard edwards but interesting thing about mr edwards he died in july of that same year and then his daughter took over the role as keeper, and his daughter's name was Martha. That is interesting. I just think that the accent was funny because, like, interesting thing about him, he died <laughs> in July of that. Like, I feel like like <laughs> the accent was in a really weird spot. And then, the emphasis and then, was on the wrong syllable. <laughs> and then he died. You did a berbiglia. I did a berbiglia. <laughs> All right, so Martha boss ladied it up for three whole years until she got married, but married women obviously don't have jobs. <laughs> so her sister, <laughs> uh, Pamelia, not Pamela, Pamelia, yeah, Pamelia. So her sister Pamelia took over. And as a keeper, Pamelia was fine, I guess. There's not really a lot of information as to whether or not she did a good job. Mm. What I do know, though, is that most likely Pamelia used the lighthouse to imprison soldiers during the Civil War. Oh, good girl. Wait, what soldiers? Um, well, she had an assistant named Elkanna, who may or may not have been related to her because they shared the same last name, uh, that was described as a rebel sympathizer. Mm. So we're not stoked on this. No, we're not. Okay. Um, and allegedly, the two of them were like, yeah, we'll lock up the other guys in our lighthouse. I don't like that. No. And then at this point, the Point Lookout Lighthouse website kind of really goes off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was reading their history, and it said this, and I really trimmed it down. They had a lot of a lot of information that they really didn't need. Um, but they went off the rails at this point, and they kept referencing articles, but there were no they're like and this is the article that talks about this but then there was no article and i'm like what the fuck 
And then they like switch back and forth between hauntings and then regular life. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening now. So I'll just piece it together. But what I do know is that eventually in their rambling, I came across some information that there was a keeper named William Yeatman. And I think Yeet. he, I think he was in charge when the steamship called Express out of Baltimore broke apart just off the coast of Point Lookout in 1878. And that's important. Um, and apparently around this time, there were a couple other vessels that sank, but not because of the lighthouse. They sank in the bay. Okay. They didn't, they didn't like run ashore. It was mm. just storms and shit. Um, but then they just went ahead and jumped to the 1960s. So like, bam, 80 years later. <laughs> <laughs> That's some time travel shit right there. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we jump ahead to the 1960s, which I assume, hopefully as in part because nothing really interesting happened between 1878 and 1960. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until a man named George Gatton, because he was the last civilian lighthouse keeper. See, fun fact, I did not know. I'm always learning with this podcast. In 1939, the U.S. Coast Guard took over control of all U.S. lighthouses. Really? Yeah. And although it was not required, it was strongly encouraged for the pre-existing keepers to actually join the Coast Guard, Mm. which it sounds like George did not want to do. Wait, does the Coast Guard have control over Split Rock? Is it an active lighthouse or is it no, just there? It, it's, oh, it's not, it's okay. not active. It, it's a, the historical society. That Got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So eventually, George was replaced by a man named Raymond Hartzell, who remained the keeper until January 11th, 1966, when the Point Lookout Lighthouse was decommissioned. And now the Coast Guard doesn't have it anymore. Okay. After which, the state of Maryland took possession of the lighthouse and turned it into like a residential building. Cool. I think it had huh. I think it had like two apartments in it. Yeah. I would live in that apartment. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was around this time that the lighthouse tenants started reporting weird happenings. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Including unexplained voices and sounds and even the apparition of a man who was drowned in the bay. Mm. Not actively drowned. He just happened to have drowned in the bay. Mm. I made it sound as if he was like murdered. That's too windy. I don't know. I don't know if I could be. That's too windy for me to live in that environment. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I feel like every lighthouse I've ever heard of is haunted. Uh-huh. So unless, like, you can't act surprised when you move into a lighthouse and it's haunted, right? Right. I yeah, I wouldn't. Right. I would just assume. You know, and and you think with with such a a small space, and you're like, well, it's not like. Tragedy happened to every lighthouse, but every lighthouse seems to be haunted, you know. But then you take that into context and you think about, okay, well, then what about that house right here down the block? Or what about this house? Right. Yeah, you yep, know, yep. I mean, it's it, it's always been through a cycle of people living in it and having memories and having history. So that's why I tell people spirit is everywhere. I kind of think of the lighthouse thing as being, I mean, it was placed there. All lighthouses exist because it was they were in places that were known to have shipwrecks. Mm. They're like, let's put a lighthouse mm. here. We're going to fix it. Any shipwreck that still happens to hap- happen, even after the lighthouse is there, will continue to be a beacon for any perished people who, who didn't get saved because there was a lighthouse. 
So that is what I assume it is. And actually, that's kind of what the theory of this next story is. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have something to say. Well, and I was just going to kind of bank off that as on top of it being on top of like that. Yeah. Is uh, the whole thing we talked about in the last lighthouse story, which was there's so much repetition in mm. a lighthouse yes. keeper's day. Mm. And yes. so like, even if it's not a full emotion thing or a death thing, it's could be like an echo. Yeah. It's just the same thing every single day. Yeah. Just like when we wake up and make our coffee and you live in the same house for 30 years. Yeah. That's why oftentimes people will experience cabinets, cupboards opening yep. Yep. because yep. it's somebody getting up every morning and making coffee. Yep. Oh my God. Right? I didn't even think about the coffee <laughs> thing. <laughs> Cool. I'm totally gonna haunt this house when I'm dead. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> All right, but you're but because of coffee. But because of coffee. Well, I mean, if Brittany was gonna haunt for any reason, it would be coffee. It would be coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, but you were saying about the uh, beacon. Yes. Okay. So you see, in October of 1878, when that steamer express sank off the coast of Point Lookout, one of its officers, a man named Joseph Haney, he attempted to row to shore in order to get help. Unfortunately, he never made it, and several days later, Joseph's body washed ashore and then was buried nearby. Now, according to legend, not long after, Joseph Haney started to be seen by the lighthouse keepers. Though apparently not George Gatton from the 1960s, he claimed that he did not see ghosts, uh, nor did he believe in them. So George Gatton is like, "Mm mm-mm. Absolutely not. It's just the wind. However, (laughs) author semi-retired college professor and Maryland's premier collector of ghost stories, regional folklore, and supernatural tales, Ed Akanowitz. Okay. Mm-hmm. He spoke with a former resident who claimed that one night he heard a knock at the door, and when he opened it, he saw puddles of water and the apparition of who was thought to be Joseph Haney. However, soon after opening the door, the apparition disappeared towards the bay. I don't like that. Something about soggy ghosts really upsets me. <laughs> it, it's lo- kind of like ding dong ditch. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ghostly ding dong, ding there, dong ditch. There's a puddle right there. I was here. Yeah, I was we here. Gotta clean it up now. <laughs> I mean, it's better than like a flaming bag of bag poo. Of poo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but he was not the only tenant who had spooky stories. Another resident named Anna Carpenter, who lived in the lighthouse in the 1970s reported that during her short stint at Point Lookout, she would often hear the sounds of heavy footsteps or furniture being moved around when she knew that the other tenant, a man named, I'm not sure if it's Gary or Jerry, I'm going to call him Jerry, mm-hmm. okay, uh, was not at home. So there's only the two apartments. And so this Jerry, he lived on the north side of the lighthouse, and Anna lived on the south side. And apparently the north side is where it's at because Anna really only heard things happening in Jerry's apartment. And Jerry himself had a list, a whole list of things that he experienced in his space. These include the kitchen wall in his apartment starting to glow one night Mm. and continued to do so for 10 minutes. I don't like that. Every night for two weeks, he heard someone snoring in the kitchen. During storms, he often heard voices both outside as well as inside the lighthouse, which makes sense as most of those shipwrecks happen during big storms, but he would search for the source of the voices and could never find anyone. 
He frequently heard someone walking up and down the hallway and up and down the stairs. He would lock his dog in the screened-in porch in the evenings. And one night, he heard the dog barking. So he went outside to find out what was going on with the dog. And he found the dog outside of the porch, but the door was still locked from the inside. Oh, poor dog. Letting him out, he had to go poo. Right? (laughs) He constantly smelled an odd odor in the living room. And in classic haunting style, he also experienced lights turning on and off and doors banging. Of course. Have to have those. So author Ed Okanowitz, I think I said it differently last time. You get it. Ed. Eddie. Uh, Edamundo. Edamundo. uh, He spoke to another resident who experienced strange things. Quote, Laura Berg, who lived alone in the lighthouse in the late 1970s and was its last resident, heard heavy footsteps outside of her bedroom door. She claimed that books would fly off their shelves and that there were awful smells and stenches in various rooms, unquote. I don't, I don't like it when hauntings include smells because they're always bad. Mm. Sometimes oh, I suppose, I suppose they're perfume and they're like, it smells like fresh roses. I would take that. Mm. But even I then, mean, personally, I would go for like more of a vanilla or musk scent, but... Cream of of sulfur just does not do it. No, for it's me. not my jam. <laughs> but it, whenever somebody's like, it smells like stale tobacco smoke or mm. a, like a An putrid odor. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I would preferably ooh. not. <laughs> like, can I light a Glade candle and <laughs> fix it? No, they're all in the dipic boxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, after all of these stories of former tenants making. The rounds. Uh, a man named Dr. Hans Holzer. I made it sound more German. I'm not really sure how he pronounced his name. But Hans <laughs> Holzer is how what I'm going to say. Um, along with members of the Maryland Committee of Psychical Research, conducted the first paranormal investigation of the lighthouse in 1980. Now, at this point, Laura Berg was still living there. Uh, she actually lived there until October of 1981. And Laura actually got the opportunity to participate in the investigation along with them. Are you guys, are you guys familiar with Holzer, Hans Holzer? Um, he did a lot of research early on. I want to say like maybe 50s, kind of like right around Ed and Lorraine Warren time. Oh, right yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So he was doing a, a, a lot of research. And um, it, there's a, a TV show out now called The Holzer Files. And those are his kids kind of living on his legacy. And, and the, the one girl... When I was doing my ghost tours out in Hollywood, she contacted me. She sent me an email. Huh. And she was like, you know, hey, my dad does this. And, you know, we're his kids and we're living, you know, extending his legacy. And, you know, I'd appreciate if you'd read, get one of his books or something. And I'll have to look that like, up. Super I've, never, cool. I've never heard of, I've never heard of him Hans before. Holzer. Yep. I haven't yep. either. The Holzer but, Files. But we are now uh, less than six degrees away from Dr. Hans Holzer of yeah. this story. Just by nice. knowing you, we right? are, le- yep, there, I love oh it. Oh my gosh. All right, so Laura, actually, because she got a chance to do participate in the investigations, most of what we know publicly from the investigations are actually from her personal notes. So January 14th, 1980 was the very first one. They started on the north side, not starting out strong. Kitchen, dining room, area, nothing observed. Living room. <laughs> The medium felt sick with a bad headache. She could hear voices in the living room when we went upstairs. In the guest middle room upstairs, again, the medium felt sick. She had chills and felt cold and weak. She felt that someone had experienced agony in this room and that they had been held there against their will. 
Uh, later discussions suggested that it may be Civil War prisoners who yeah. had been held there. I was literally just thinking that. I spoke like the, of all the things you mentioned, that seems the most the most likely. Yeah, and then on the top of the stairs, the medium felt a woman's presence and felt that this woman had contemplated throwing herself down these steps many times. Oof. So, I don't know what a, a cupola is. C u p o l a. Apparently, it's part of a lighthouse, but the steps to what that is. Maybe it's the the shiny place where the mirrors live. The shiny, <laughs> shiny place. <laughs> where all the mirrors were broken and the cat fell in. Yeah. I should know that I'm a theater major. I know the light itself is called a Fresnel. Um, Cupola, a small dome, especially a small dome on a drum or on top of a larger dome adorning a roof or ceiling. Uh, yes, it is, the, it is the place on the top of the lighthouse where, where the, the mirrors shi- The shiny place with the mirrors. Yes. See, I knew it. <laughs> so up there... Uh, the medium felt a young blonde man with blue eyes had been murdered within the last 50 years. Don't know where that came from. Don't nope. know anything about that. And then on the south side living room, the medium felt unusually weird feelings. <laughs> the medium felt like, like <laughs> that's just the most I know, vague it's, it's not very descriptive. That's it's yeah, like, that was my they're like, the they're like okay, weird. well, the medium felt like really sick here. The medium felt there was a blonde, blue eyed like person who was murdered. The medium felt weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's not very descriptive. So the second paranormal investigation was held on February 16th of 1980, just like a month later, with the Maryland committee for psychical research with the natural medium nancy stallings and so i actually don't know who was the first medium that we talked about they didn't give it her any introduction but i guess it's not nancy because i feel like they would have mentioned that before so on february 16th 1980 the north side hallway nancy felt a presence a woman's voice was recorded here singing living in the lighthouse Living in the lighthouse. I don't know if, I mean, is that the title of a song or they just heard living in the lighthouse? I don't know. It might have been just Kayla just hanging out in a lighthouse singing about it. Damn straight it was. So on the south side. I'm the ghost now. (laughs) Wait, didn't we already establish that? Yes. Okay. So in the south side front bedroom, Nancy felt a definite presence. No more information on that. In the basement, we all saw a figure in the farthest back room and recorded a voice that stated either let me out or get out. Either way, not friendly. Yeah. In the dining room, they held a seance. Many photos revealed spirit lights and many other explained voices were recorded during this investigation. So on the website, they actually have some of these recordings and some of the photos, which I will make sure that Kayla gets to put on our social media. Legit. There was a third investigation that happened in June, but the guy who was setting up these investigations was like, yeah, we're catching a lot of really cool shit. Let me invite a whole bunch of people. And then nothing happened because there were too many people. Mm. So then they did the fourth and last investigation while Laura lived in the lighthouse, and it happened on August 22nd, 1980. And Laura wrote, a seance was held in the front room of the south side, where an earlier visit had yielded a photo of someone in this room. There were many whispered voices picked up on the tape, and again, another figure was seen in the basement. 
We all heard breathing and felt cold spots throughout the lighthouse. There were several more investigations that happened throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. One of them was held on March 2001, featuring a medium by the name of Carol. Good name. I like a Carol. And Carol said that she was able to sense some spirits inhabiting the lighthouse. She felt one woman who was still there who was quite angry, along with a female family member who was also with her. In the Southside basement, Carol was pushed by an unknown entity and felt unwelcomed. Other folks in this group experienced various sensations, including an unexplained heaviness in the basement, feelings of being uncomfortable and unwelcomed in various levels of the lighthouse, and EVPs. So throughout the years, additional experiences have been noted by visitors, including the doorknob to the nailed shut basement door rattling. Oh, I don't like that. And that's mm. the basement is where they heard the uh, like, let me out. Or don't get like out. that. Mm-mm. Oh no, the, the let me out would make sense if the, 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 the if it was, was rattling. Nailed. Yeah, because yeah. because I was gonna say it's probably it was probably get out. Yeah, and, probably. But, but yeah, but now it's like let me out. Shut. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, hearing voices and footsteps, and during one investigation in October of two thousand one, a guest claimed, "quote that they heard the sound of at least a dozen men in the south side living room talking very loudly, and all at once it was like a gathering, like a party or at a bar." Obviously, no such thing was happening. Visitors in 2003 shared a story about meeting a ghostly young boy. Perhaps. Blonde? With blue eyes. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. So they said, as we climbed the south side stairs to the second floor, a young boy, maybe eight years old, followed us, bubbling over with stories about the house and its hauntings. I didn't notice his clothing as being anything out of the ordinary, but I did notice that he was alone and not with a family or a group. I recall him saying, this is the most hauntedest lighthouse in the whole country. <laughs> cool. <laughs> You're damn right it is, kid. He followed us and talked with us for a few minutes and then went back downstairs at some point. We didn't think much of it. Uh, rather, we just assumed that he was uh, just... High-level energy and full of knowledge. He was certainly talking a mile a minute. So we assumed that he was one of the volunteer's children. When we went back downstairs, we mentioned to the volunteer that his son was delightful and that he had been Uh well-trained. The volunteer said that he had no son, (laughs) nor did he have any children with him. We looked around the grounds, no children. We went back to the room where a few people were selling candy and promotional items and asked if it was their child. No, there were no children. We didn't know whether they were playing a trick on us. Uh, But furthermore, when we got home, we played the video to our grown children to see. There was no child in that video, nor was there any young voice audible. So they were videotaping their entire experience. But then when they reviewed the videotape, that kid with all the hauntedest lighthouse in the whole country just wasn't there. That's really creepy, right? Like a haunted, haunted, like a haunted, haunted. Yeah, that's like you see, like you see an apparition, or like you hear an EVP or whatever. But just the idea that they had conversations with this child, fully believing that they were there, that they were there, and then they have a video showing, like, nah. And the assumption is that they could, in the video, hear them responding to the child yeah, and no child responding Oh, I don't like that. Mm -mm. 
Unfortunately, the lighthouse appears to be closed for visitors. There's a note about remaining closed to the public due to the pandemic. Um, And then another one that says that renovation should be completed in 2001. But the last update was from July of 2001. Folks have been posting on the Facebook group, but only about visiting the property around the lighthouse. Okay. So I'm not really sure where it currently stands, but that is the Point Lookout Lighthouse. So, again, where is that located? Maryland. Maryland, okay. Right on the edge of the Potomac River. Right. Which is near Chesapeake, right? It's in the Chesapeake Bay. I fucking... Okay, I want to go visit there. We can see the... I mean, we can see the lighthouse, whatever. I just want to... I wanna just want to go to the Chesapeake Bay. You're I, like, Okay, first of all, it smells amazing. Mm. I don't know. They, they talked a lot about foul smells, Kayla. Well, no, we're not going there. We're just okay. talking in general. The area smells amazing. And then we can take you for a delicious delicious vegetarian feast while I eat all the blue crab my body can handle. <laughs> I like your combination of delicious and vegetarian. Deligious. Deligious. <laughs> I couldn't even fully. I couldn't. I was like, delicious vegetarian. We'll take you for... Amazing food, food that I can eat that you will like, and then I will devour blue crab by the pound. That sounds amazing. okay. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm not gonna eat mm. those sea bugs. Sea bugs. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> good, it's good, fine. Good. There's tons of good food there that will be great for you. Awesome. I love uh, that. So and then and then we can stop by this lighthouse. So also apparently there used to be a fence based upon the Facebook group because I did a little bit of stocking. Mm. So there used to be a fence around it protecting the property, but as of like a month ago, it wasn't there. They removed it during the like the, when during the renovations. Uh huh. So right now you could actually go right up to the lighthouse. Oh, that's so pretty cool. So maybe we would see that Joseph Haney guy. Mm-hmm. See some wet footprints. Yep, mm-hmm. some wet footprints. Maybe some puddles. Right. You know, maybe a soggy ghost. Depending on where it is, we could do that like. What's the thing that people do with tide pools? Maybe there's mm. tide pools we can see because those are pretty cool. Those are pretty cool. They're not pretty- paranormal, but still pretty cool. <laughs> so this is just a field trip. Yes. Is what we- <laughs> this is a We're learning about the ocean. field trip. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to learn about tide pools. <laughs> just don't take the critters out and hold them like this no. outside of the water. Yeah, like that would upset their do. environment. You always observe a tide pool. Right. You do not touch a tide pool. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Take some photos. Mm. They last longer. Take a picture. It'll last longer. <laughs> On a skeptic scale. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Okay. I am strongly inclined to believe in the haunting of lighthouses because of the repetition alone. But it sounds like this one was, it had a lot of shit going on. Yeah. So I'm going to go four. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give it a four, um, but because our scale is arbitrary, I have a couple of stipulations. And that is because there were some fucking badass ladies who ran this lighthouse. Legit. And um, I think that the story of Joseph Haney is really interesting. Absolutely. Even though I hate a soggy ghost, but for some reason, because I dislike soggy ghosts, it makes me more scared of them. So I just believe it more. So I'll I'll go like fourth four point three, um, 
Ooh, we never had a point three. I well, she know. did five, and I went. Oh, we were do, we're doing you know we're doing. Oh we're yeah, doing I I do we, I often do little um, decimals, and it's because I I love a good lighthouse story. Yeah, uh, you know, for, in the in the water and the sea and and the whole vibe that that comes with that. Um, and the fact that the ghost was courteous enough to let the dog out to go potty. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, that is so sweet. And the sweet. fact that these women, you know, locked up a bunch of men, it's like, what did they do to them? <laughs> that's actually a very <laughs> good point. That's why I'm like, good girls. And how <laughs> Usually it's the other way around, them. right? <laughs> it is a little sad but, that it was probably union soldiers. Yeah. I mean, but... and really, how, I mean, how much can t- two women do to, like, 12 guys? You know, I mean, I... I see something weird there. I mean, I could see him like luring them down in the basement and then locking the doors somehow, you, you know, and then just be like, "You're stuck here." It's Ooh. like the 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 badass sisters during World War Two that lured a bunch of Nazis to their death. Mm. That is not what I was thinking of. That is a way better example than what I was thinking of. Like misery or something. No. Oh, yeah. oh, Kathy Bates. One at a time. No, Come was, on up. I was. I was <laughs> I was thinking of a Gilmore Girls reference. <laughs> Very different. She's going soft. Yeah, yep. she's going soft. I was, I was thinking Gilmore Kayla. Girls. Sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll move past it. You, both of your examples were better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Kim, so normally we have listener stories. And by normally, we really want it to be normal. Y'all got to send them. Yeah, we just, you know, we've had a lot. Anne-Marie can't hold this all up on her own. Nor can Gina Gleason. Anne-Marie, Gina Gleason, anonymous listener. You know who you are who hasn't submitted a story since like episode 23, but they all come from the same email. (laughs) You know who you are. Can't hold it up all on their own. So in absence of a listener story this week, I am very excited to, because it sounds like you have lived a life. Yes. And I am excited to hear the guest stories you have decided to share with us this week so hi everybody i'm kim um i just to kind of give you a brief overview about my paranormal journey um i was living in la and uh going through uh uh, i was married to somebody who was in the film industry he was from india we ended up moving to savannah Georgia. Oh my God, that's where <laughs> Brittany loves Savannah. <laughs> and I, I almost wasn't going to go because he's like, you know, I've got a project out there. We're thinking about buying some property and building a film studio. Um, and it was him and a bunch of other Indians, East Asian in- Indians. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. you know. So, um, uh, so him and the come some producers. They were all going to get together, and I'm like, I've heard a lot about Savannah. I kind of want to go there. And he's like, well, I can't guarantee things are going to work out. And I'm like, I don't care. I can't, gotta, things, can't, can't guarantee things are going to work out with you either, but at least I'd be in fucking Savannah. <laughs> and, and it was like, well, you know, you, you should just probably stay here in L.A. and, and keep trying to, you know, get, get on with your career or whatever, which was sucking at the time anyway, right? Um, so I decided, I'm like, I, I need to go to Savannah. I've never been to the East Coast, right? It was it was amazing. Um, I ended up um, not going there and helping him work, but uh, I had to find my own work. And at the time, I was a special makeup effects artist. 
I have been replaced. Hillary, <laughs> you have been replaced. <laughs> so I, to, to, so to, to kind of keep it local and give everyone a fresh perspective, you know, I was born and raised here in Duluth. Um, 30 oh. years, I ended up um, getting, uh, moving over to Superior because I went to beauty school. And um, Were you so, a beauty school dropout? Beauty school dropout. I, I wasn't a dropout. No graduation day <laughs> for you. Missed your midterms and plunk <laughs> shampoo. I actually passed my classes, yes. And when I was done, I um I worked at Regis in the Mariner Mall, which is now like, you know, if you're local, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. Yeah. But I was in the Mariner Mall when it was happening, right? And I, I was a hairdresser for four years, and at this time, Free Willy came out, and I decided I wanted to be an oceanographer and a, a marine biologist. So then I ended up enrolling at UWS, and um, I was doing science classes, and at the time, I just turned 21, so I wasn't doing very well in my science classes. <laughs> uh, my, I took biology to a different level. Right, different, <laughs> different biology. All you familiar with the Cove, you know, and the the Pacific Club, those were my places. Um, so yeah, Aren't I those I, bars? I didn't. Yeah, those were the bars <laughs> okay. in the days. They were the they were the, the the dance hall, and the you know Pacific Club was where they had like metal and rock bands. The Pacific Club, yeah. Some of you will know. You guys are like, what the hell is that? Now, with, now they're like. I just think it's funny that like Brittany's like, aren't they bars? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, now they're like strip clubs. Oh, wait, is, is that where like a, uh, like Lady the Vi's top is? Hat. No, right across. Oh, the top hat. Yeah. But, okay. Fuck yeah. But I, I that, fuck with the top hat. That used to be the Cove. And that was totally like a, a 80s dance. It was dance. It was a nightclub. It 80s was, dance? Mm, it was, we love the 80s. It was, it was a really fun, cool place. And right across the street was a Pacific Club. And that was where they had heavy metal and rock bands. Right. Now it's a strip strip club. Anyway, so yeah, so I was doing a lot of drinking when I and partying when I was trying to get through college. Trying and to get I wasn't through biology specifically. Right, and I, I wasn't doing very good in school. That and makes sense. I needed work study. And they're like, well, uh, you know, you're a hairdresser, right? Maybe for some reason, you know, you think about getting into theater. And I'm like, I've always loved movies. I wasn't really a theater fan. I wasn't a thespian. All right. I'll never forget somebody said, you're a thespian. I'm like, are you calling me a lesbian? Sorry, I don't know if you're going to keep you're, it in you're, there. You're but like, you're like, like I'm not offended, but that is incorrect. <laughs> but it was, I'm confused um, about your assumption. Right, right. And I, I'd never heard that word before because I wasn't a theater person. I was more about movies. So I ended up uh, getting into the theater. And eventually um, I was at UWS, the theater department, for four years, and I felt it wasn't enough. So I moved to California. That makes sense. <laughs> So I went up to California and I ended up taking puppetry classes, special makeup effects. I became a costume designer. So yeah, so I had the full, the full, you know, of everything that was awesome. Um, Brittany when it comes is to completely stuff like that. in awe right now. <laughs> I am so in love with you. <laughs> I might be a thespian. <laughs> 
That's so funny. It's still a weird word when you, you know, when it you is, hear I it. Know. Anyway, so I moved to Vegas. I worked on the shows in Vegas. I was in Vegas for about seven years working at Mister Blue Man Group. And then I met my husband from India. We moved to L.A. So then I, I was kind of all over the place. Yes. I have a question. question. <laughs> was Blue Man Group just like the easiest makeup job you could ever do? Because um, they're just all blue. Yeah, but but it, it was. Do, about I, do you have to do like the, the contour? It's no. It's about the bald cap. Oh, that makes it's sense. That makes the, sense. Like that the, makes the, sense. the spirit yeah. calm and the gl- and the glue that you you know you you put on and you, you gotta, gotta really s- and you gotta pull the cap hard enough and then you had to because they had microphones and ear, ear earplugs in as well, right? Uh, earplugs. Uh, so you had to have the cords run through the back of the cap. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and um, yeah. It, but otherwise, then just shoving the blue all over it was that was the easy <laughs> part, right? <laughs> Um, were they really nice? Because I always imagine oh they're my really God. nice. They seem very nice. They don't talk, so, but they seem really nice. So between Cirque and Blue Man, Cirque is global, right? You've got yeah. performers for all, from all over the world. And yeah. that was really when I, I got cultured, right? When yeah. I lived in Northern California, I got cultured in a different way. I got introduced to the hippie the hippie culture, right? And, and mm. the vegan and vegetarian. I went through all of that, right? <laughs> Just like, see? Um, but yeah, so when I lived in Vegas and I was working on shows, you know, I learned how to speak Russian, yeah, dos vidonya, you know, and I ended up, you know, Asians and Chinese and, and, and Polish and Czechs and, I mean, so many different cultures that you got to work with and to be around. And it was amazing. Yeah. Cause there's not a lot of people in the world who can do Cirque du Soleil. Right. Like that. A lot of French French Canadians as well. So I would probably say, like, for each Cirque show, you probably had about 50% uh, um, Russians, Ukrainians. You know, it was really yeah. from that 50% of the people that worked there. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was great. Had a seven-year run. and um, But, no, I, I'm sorry, Blue Man Group, yeah, they're, they're clowns. <laughs> right? Love it. I love they're, it. You've got it the makes clowns. so happy. And it's about, it's this. It's a lot of this. Look, yeah, yeah. Like, like rock, su- like, rock like, stars. Like she's giving rock star signal. I'm giving right that. Now. Yeah, it's the, the the rock star mudra, um, and uh, it was really cool because here I'm dating myself um, from the '80s, right? I love the band called Slaughter. Not sure. If you, I you know guys are like, of the that? band so, called Slaughter. So there's a, a band called Slaughter in the '80s, right? Up all night, sleep all day. Yeah. So anyway, also you can't spell slaughter without laughter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, never heard that before. Uh, really, that's so true. Okay, though. yes, all right. I gotta hang out with the Twin <laughs> Horse Horror Society all more. Night, sleep all day. <laughs> that's Sorry. right. So yeah. Um, anyway, the drummer for Slaughter now worked at Blue Man Group, oh. and he was a, a, a drummer for for Blue Man Group. So when somebody what told me that, weird. I'm like, "What? Oh my god! I loved Slaughter." And his, his name was Blas, uh, and it, yeah, it was pretty. And he's still long blonde hair, just rocking out. It oh, was, that's got to suck so to awesome, stick right? into that bald cap. So there are so many talented musicians that worked at Blue Man Group. And th- yeah, you're walking around and you're hearing like all these old 80s rock songs and all these old jokes. And, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a generational thing for sure. So, um, yeah, I had a really good time uh, working there. But then my ex, he ended up having to travel to go and constantly, you know, go to L.A. and then having to go to Savannah. So, yeah, I took the I, 
I ended up going to Savannah with him, and um, I was doing special makeup effects for some small film, you know, little student films, some small stuff. Um, and I saw an opening for a tour guide, and it was for a ghost tour. And, you know, I was a really big X-Files fan at that time. And I'm like, I always imagined myself, you, you know, that they're going to be making a new yeah, We X-Files. were literally talking about this uh, before yeah. you got here. Before you got here, we were already chatting. We were yeah, ready. Yeah, we were I ready. just saw, yeah, I think today or yesterday, I'm like, what? This so, last newest season made me so fucking happy. I couldn't even. Uh, so, you uh, know what? And you know what? I know people generally hate remakes, but I watch remake or I rewatch X Files repeatedly. I think it's time for a remake, not because it's super outdated or whatever. I actually think it's one of the shows that has aged better than a lot of them. Yeah. But I think that they're, especially culturally, I think there's a lot of better approaches they can do to certain subjects. Mm. So for sure. I'm here for it. Uh, Steve and I actually. I have loved X like I was the person who watched it weekly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Steve has never seen it before. So he and I are actually in the process of watching X-Files. Oh. We just made it to season 6. Nice. We just had uh watched the Christmas episode with oh, wow. with the the guy the suicide and Lily the murder Tomlin. thing. Yes. Fucking Lily oh Tomlin. Gosh. Yes. And, and you know, and, and when I when I saw them talking about it, I'm thinking to myself, "You know what? I think I need to rewatch all the episodes again." That's when I fell oh, in love with so Fox good. Mulder. No, he's so handsome. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm a I'm both. I'm Dana Scully and I'm Fox and Mulder. Mulder. You know, I'm I, I'm a little bit of both. Um oh, go ahead. Sean and I have two Holiday traditions now. We watch Amends from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And we watch that specific episode of X-Files. Oh. Because that's a Christmas episode. It's a Christmas episode, yeah. you have to, to look that because up. It's I been ad- so long. I adore Lily Tomlin. Wow. You can You can cut this part out because I know we're already way over time. Right, right. Like, yeah, but like, I just like to point out that... You like, you're just showing uh, Steve. Steve this now. Yeah. When... Sean and I started dating, which you met Sean. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the, at the, at the, at the little Twin Ports Horror Society trivia. Yeah, yeah, trivia. Like, I made him, there were like five TV shows I made him watch in order for us to be in a serious relationship. <laughs> and it was like X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Gilmore Girls, mm. uh, Grey's Anatomy, and Supernatural. And I was like, we need to watch all of these shows. And I'm, he's like, what's the most important? I'm like, Buffy and X-Files. Fucking obviously, oh, and Inuyasha, that was a whole, but that got added in later. But it's like, oh, you know. I love Inuyasha. (sighs) (laughs) Um, But just throwing that out there that like, X-Files is a comfort show. Everybody acts like it's freaky. But like you're saying like, I'm Dana. I feel like everybody relates to different parts of like like Mm -hmm. Dana or Fox. Yeah. And I think that it's a very legitimate comfortable watching show yeah and especially so. with the, the the distance you know the, the the span of time and how so many new things have come out and revelations and the the videos from you know from the the, the air air force and then you know that have picked the up fact that the that, government has admitted uh, right so much since then so now i mean i mean it would be interesting to see where they go with some of these topics you know yeah and and, and the whole following of the the cryptozoology you know the cryptos and the, the ufologist and wait you wait uaps sorry um 
Wait, what? They're not ufologists? No, they, 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 they avoid the word U- UFO and instead call it UAP, uh, Unidentified Aerial, aerial phenomena. phenomena. I did know that. I forgot it, but yeah. I did know. I have read that, but I, I also, also think read it's that. stupid because because yeah. because sometimes it can be gases from the lake below, like or a swamp below that come up and create like bubbles or you know lens flares. So there's different things like that. So it's more of a phenomenon than it is a flying object. Except for I wouldn't consider those UFOs because it's a phenomenon. And so I would be like, no, UFO is a UFO. Right. So, yeah. So that would definitely, that that wouldn't be an aerial phen- phenomena. That would definitely be a f- unidentified flying object. Yep. Yeah. So, like, you know, and, that's, and that's where, like, that's where several, I typically cover the UFOs, the space shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's usually my area. Your, yeah, that's usually. And I'm like, like. The UAP thing, I almost always go UFO because, I'm sorry, I did not, like, uh, a pilot did not just see gas, like, flashing lights at them. Like, right. You know, it's like, too high up. Yep, exactly. But, all right. All right. We're tangenting. Sorry, sorry. We're yeah, tangenting. 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 All right, all right. All right. So, so you made it to Savannah. So Savannah. <laughs> Savannah's where I got my start. Savannah. And I took a job as a, um, a paranormal tour guide working at a place called the Gribble House. Now, Savannah had its share of tragedy, but it's also one of the oldest cities in America. Um, uh, They had Revolutionary War soldiers that were buried in mass graves that were just literally right across from the street from the property I worked at. And um, yellow fever multiple times. Yeah. Yep. And yellow fever. There we go. Bring it back around. Bring it back. (laughs) And uh, there were slave quarters on on the particular property. Now, the this the Gribble House, it it what it literally was was Old Town Trolley warehouse and garage. If you've ever been to San Diego, um, and have heard of Old Town Trolley, they also have it in Savannah as well, and I think in Florida. So they are it's a small company that has expanded, right? And uh, originally it was a big garage warehouse that the trolleys would park inside of. So a lot of the people that were working in there started to experience different things mm-hmm. and see things move. And they brought investigators in there and they're like, oh, yeah, it's haunted. And they're like, just so you know, the research that we found, there was a house that was where the property sat and triple X murder occurred. Okay. And uh, three women, three women. Um, some guy came in and, and literally ha- hacked up and killed all three women. Fucking bastards. So, yeah. So they built the property over where the, the house was. So there was a lot of activity between the slave quarters, the, you know, the, the, the burials. You know, so, yeah. So it was a pretty big place. So what they did at night um, when everybody had, uh, uh, when the trolleys outgrew, the garage, they moved the trolleys elsewhere, but they still kept that as their home base. So then what they would do is people that would come and ride the trolleys, they could park inside the garage for a small fee, Mm -hmm. right? And then when the the workday was over, the garage was empty. So what they decided to do was to do paranormal investigations inside this garage. Okay. That that's that's smart. So yeah. get a, you have to pay a fee to park yeah. during the day. You have to pay a fee to participate in paranormal investigations yeah. at night. So that was what I ended up doing. I ended up uh, working there for probably about eight eight or nine months. 
and we would bring people inside the property. We would talk about the history of Savannah, and then we would un- we would walk them through the property with the lights on and show them these are the different areas where there's activity. And then we would go back into the office, and then we would talk about the equipment, and we would give everybody equipment mm-hmm. and have the equipment out, and then we would unleash them back out in the dark. That That's is, awesome. That is brilliant. That's so good. Yep. Because... They know what it looks like in the light. Right. And so if they see something, they're like, I know that wasn't there because I've already seen this. Yep. 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 And the, and the cool, the, the interesting thing, the, the girl that hired me, she was a manager. She also had a master's as a, she was more fashion designer. But oh. she, but she, so she, when she was interviewing me, she's like, oh, yeah, you're, Woods you're, over there. you're totally cool. She's Look, like, you're totally cool. I have a criminology major. I wanted to be oh, a homicide nice. detective was my original life plan it uh, did not go that way well you kind of got some stuff because you do some of you do some stories that some of your that has murder yeah 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 uh, i still yeah. have not finished my degree <laughs> oh. hey. you're so close though i i was old when i finished mine <laughs> she's going into hr uh, well hey you, you gotta you gotta keep it under control this, <laughs> this podcast does not bode well for me <laughs> So anyway, so, you know, I, I, it was, and the owner of the company gave me a second interview because he was doing the psyche eval on me. He wanted <laughs> to make sure that I'm going to be okay. He's like, just so you know, people will last about a month or two at this job because they'll go home and have nightmares. And I'm like, I love nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't a Kayla line, I don't know right. what it is. Right here, baby, me oh, and yeah. you. Uh, I, I, are you encroaching on my new best friend? <laughs> Hillary, you can have her back. So I'm I, taking over. Yeah, I mean, I keep a dream journal, so yeah. So I write my I write my shit down, and I love it. I get excited about it. So yeah, so it was a really cool job, and I got to know how to use all of the paranormal equipment. We would use um, uh, EMF detectors, spirit boxes, REM pods. Uh, so, yeah, so we really kind of went through the gamut of, of all the different e- equipments. And what we would do is when we would unleash the people, then we would just come in and make the rounds and check on them. Mm. Make sure the people are talking. Sometimes people just sit there waiting uh, for the spirit box to talk to them. I'm like, dude, you're the, worst, you're the worst date ever. Yeah. You know, they're not going <laughs> to talk to you. So, <laughs> right? I can so, just imagine, like, the spirit uh, of one of the women who is murdered just sitting across from them like, what? Nothing? Nothing? You got nothing? So some of my experiences, which was really cool. So the, the group that was in that particular area of the building where the triple axe murder happened, there was, I think, three or four of them. And they were kind of, sit- a couple of them were sitting on the floor. A few of them were kind of standing up along the wall. I walked in. Hey, how are you guys doing? Everything all right? Come through the spirit box, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I had goosebumps and I kind of froze at the same time. I'm like, well, I guess you're okay. <laughs> I'd be like, back the rude. fuck off. And, and, rude. And I I'll mean, get... not inaccurate, All but right. rude. <laughs> you know, the first, and the, what I was thinking is, okay, I, I, I may be an idiot, but I'm not a bitch. <laughs> so I was like, All right, I am. I, I think I just interrupted you guys and you're doing fine, but just keep talking. Make sure you keep talking to her. Right. And so I walked out. You know, and, and a lot of the other different times, you know, we would just walk around with our own equipment as well and have a little bit of fun. And, you know, I would hear Spirit's voice come through and say, Kim. And I'm like, what? They know my name. 
Of course they know your and, name. And you at, the en- at the end of the at the end of the shift, we would make a journal what we heard, whose names we heard, <gasps> right? So we could kind of reference back to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I would ask the girls, you know, because I was always picking up this guy named Ed. Ed, Ed. He had this really scratchy voice, like he was a smoker, right? And I was asking everyone else, are you guys picking up Ed? They're like, nope, he's all yours. <laughs> You're like, oh, good, I'm glad. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So. Me and Ed. Smoker Ed. Ed. Who sounds not pleasant. Right? <laughs> That's mine. Great. Okay, thanks, bud. It's all you, Kim. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, believe me, the experience was great. And it was so much fun being able to do that. And then my, you know, the husband, the, the, the film thing didn't work out. So we moved back to L.A. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start my own ghost tour. So Fuck I ended yeah. up starting my own haunted walking tour on Hollywood Boulevard. Talk about research. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's so much of it. Sorry. Um, uh, no, you can say anything yeah, you know. on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so it, there was so much that I had to break it up between, you know, like walking on Hollywood Boulevard, talking about like the old theaters or some of the hotels. And then I would talk about some of the bars. And I'm like, wait a second. I just split it up, you know. So then I did a pub crawl. Uh, yeah. One yeah. night a week. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I heard some amazing, amazing things. And the best EVP I ever got, I'm sure you guys may have heard about a girl that jumped off the Hollywood sign, committed suicide. Yeah. Her name is Peg Entwistle. And when we'd walk on Hollywood Boulevard, there was a particular street. It was called, I, it was Ivar. And it was right on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard. And there was like a, a, a map, like the Hollywood map of the stars kind of thing, right? Yeah. And you'd look up the street and you could look right up the mountain and there was the Hollywood sign. It was the best view that we got. So that was where I would stop and talk about Peg. Right. And then I would bring my tour back down along Hollywood Boulevard and we would finish at Hollywood High School. And of, uh, my group left. Uh, the tour was over. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to stick around. And I'm just going to do a little investigation here and see what kind, you know, see if anyone's here I mean, uh, just wants to talk to me. Right. And a lot of times spirits don't like, you know, the pressure of being like an animal sta- sideshow in a circus. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. they just want to talk to one person. I right? mean, that's I mean, that's what happened in the third. Yeah investigation yeah. in my story is right. there's too many people there's, and they're like <laughs> yeah, they, they don't like that you know so I, I i'm like hey is anyone here with me and i heard a voice come through and the the, the woman said peg and i froze and i'm in my mind i thought holy shit did i just hear peg and through the spirit box you hear a voice that says you do but the thing is i didn't hear that because I was still processing what I was just hearing. Right. Yeah. So I thought, okay, now I'm going to ask out loud. Did I just hear Peg? Again, she responded, you do. Wait. In a different tone and a different inflection. <gasps> Three answers from the same voice in a spirit box session, which can be rare. And I was elated. And get this, I was recording that session. Awesome. Do you have it? I I do. I do. And I I had it I have it on my City of Dark Angels tours website. Okay. And it's literally on the front page. You can click it. Uh, you know, I still have the website. I don't know why. You know, it's like I'm Cuz you can't it. let it go. It's a memory. I, yeah. Yeah. Memory. You know, and, and so many people are like, "You got to write a book. You got to write a book cuz I've got so many stories about the tour that I did and it would be a great tour book tour guide yeah. in itself for people that want to walk down Hollywood Boulevard, right? So, um, so yeah, so that EVP is, is, is up and I, I incorporated it with a couple of other EB, EVPs. One of the other PV, EVPs, my God, Kim, have another <laughs> beard, Jesus Lord. 
So one of the other EVPs. So Kim's that had I half up, of a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, asking, hey, are there any spirits here with us tonight? And I heard a scratchy voice come through and say, Ed, no, not Ed. And I was like, what? Did you follow me here? <laughs> and, and so, you know, a little bit later, I was like, Ed, are you still with us? And you hear his voice come through and say, yes. I was like, holy shit, that's so awesome. And one other, and another thing that I ended up recording, because sometimes you just don't always record. You right. know, yeah. you're in the moment and shit happens. It's like, wait, no, hold, hold on. Let me stop everything. You know, and slum- yeah. fumbling with equipment and whatnot. So um, a, a lot of times spirits like to say, I'm behind you. <laughs> uh, no, no, thank absolutely you. not. No, absolutely, fucking, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, fuck no. All right, and and, no, that's and okay. I, I think a lot of it is because they're they don't want to stand in front of us because we we might sense them, we might feel them, we might have a sensibility, right? We might sense them, so they don't want to be in front of us. That's why they're behind us. That's why oftentimes. We feel a tap on the shoulder. Okay, I would we much rather prefer pulling. them be in front of me. <laughs> I'm just saying, this just lurking makes... behind is, it sounds like Ed likes a pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like one of the creepiest creatures ever in my brain is the hide behind. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want something hiding behind me. I don't like, yeah, no, thank like you. Like a hide behind is a fearsome critter. Like it's a it's a it's a Midwest specific it's like a very cryptic. Midwest specific like specific of list of cryptids and hide behinds hide behind you and then hide behind trees when you turn around to like look for them oh. like nope nope I don't nope nope I don't and that's why a lot of times people you know they'll have scratches on their back you know and 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 here's another thing I mean I'm going way off the deep end here you guys have to do a second podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get back with you right yep yep. So Bonus when people episode. are like, you know, there's, there's, th- it's always three scratches. Yeah. So the, the, the bullshit story is like, oh, it's the Trinity. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, it's mocking the Trinity. I'm like, okay, have you looked at your fingers? If you were to take your fingers and, and run it along something, what fingers are going to be? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not going to be, be your pinky and it's not going to be your it's thumb. It's not going to be, gonna right. be your three. It's going to yeah. be the three longer fingers. So if you're going to scratch somebody, that's exactly what you're what's yeah, gonna happen for real so, who the fuck scratches with their thumb <laughs> me i'm just over there it's all thumbs over all here thumbs. <laughs> what's that game called when you the thumb war thumb war <laughs> ghostly thumb war but on your back <laughs> you didn't play it right right so so yeah so i was i was having a great time in hollywood for like t- two and a half close to three years i was doing the the, the tours down there and i was you know um i i ran into um jared padalecki <gasps> one of the bars that i end up finishing at i know and okay I got, let's I, hiding in her sweat. I got a she's picture. overwhelmed she's overwhelmed <laughs> she's overwhelmed <laughs> i i always finish I, f- I always finished my tour at the bar where the the black dahlia visited the night yeah. that she disappeared and um and i i had it in with the, the management there they always give my my guests a discount on a drink if they were to come in after um and yeah. then they would they would give me you know like a, a, a discounted drink as well because i'm bringing people in so they were they were really really awesome uh the bar was called called bordner's by labelle's uh in case any of you are listening you go up to hollywood you got to go to bordner's be like um, Kim sent you. Kim sent me up, and it was uh, you know a speakeasy back in the day. So I was sitting at the bar and just talking with a couple of girls next to me, and somebody walks in the door, and out of the side of my eye, I look, and he was very tall, and I he's I, very I, tall. I did a double, notably look. so. And right <laughs> away, got... I'm like, it's Moose. 
Okay, I know that the mic is too close to my mouth right now, Brittany, but you got to meet Dean. <laughs> I know that y'all are about to correct me and say Sam, but no, you got to meet Dean. Gilmore, Gilmore girls. girls Dean. I am a Dean shipper, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. I th- uh, Sam, uh, Dean was in Gilmore Girls, too? Uh, no, Sam's Sam. name in Gilmore Girls is was Dean. Dean. Oh, Jared okay, Padalecki okay. Pay- played Dean, and okay, I'm a Dean gotcha, shipper. Gotcha. And I mean, yeah, yeah, Sam also Gilmore Girls. I mean, I, but, mm. yeah. Yeah, it, uh, you guys couldn't see this because we don't record our podcast visually. Uh, Kayla just curled up into a little ball. <laughs> <laughs> she hid in her sweatshirt w- until she had the courage and the stamina to come out and say <laughs> her love for Jared Padalecki. Yeah. Yeah. And and he is totally sweet. At first, you know, when I saw him walk in, the girls I'm sitting with, I'm like, um, excuse me one second, because he kept walking back towards the bathroom. And I'm like, I'm gonna stalk him. And I'm I'm not that weird, right? But I, I, I had did to you follow him into the bathroom. No. Okay, good. Then so you're fine. You're I, not that weird. I, right? <laughs> I, I stood out in the hallway and waited for him to come out. <laughs> Kind of weird. He walked out right, <laughs> so I didn't block his and en- I didn't block his way to come back out into the bar. I was on the opposite side where I was more in the dark, right? Oh, oh, he- <laughs> oh, oh that, that makes better. it better. That's better. <laughs> so he walked out, and I'm like, Jared, hiding in the shadows. And he turned and looked, and I'm like, and he's like, No, my name is is Winston. And I'm like, Oh, damn it. You know, I he's probably like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with fans right now, right? I'm yeah. just here for and a I drink, was, man. And I did, and I had the l- exasperated look, like, okay, I get it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, well, we have, uh, you know, we're out here for a convention. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, but obviously, I'm not that big of a fan because I didn't know you were here for a convention, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you're like, I'm sorry, I would be there, but I'm right. afraid I'm on my ghost tour that I run right. personally. So did I'm I... sorry, I would be there, but I don't have $216 to spend on a convention yeah, right. ticket. So I told him, I said, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the show, and um, I have my ghost tour business. This is me. This is my business. I said, he's like, oh my god, that's so awesome, you know. So, and after that, I'm like. All right, I'll, I'll unleash you back to go out to the bar. I'm sure other people are going to recognize you. And, and I didn't ask for a picture. I didn't ask for an autograph, nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was cool. So I went back out. And next thing you know, everyone's, just, they saw him. They're taking pictures and doing autographs. And I was like, and eventually he came and st- stood where I kind of where I was. And I was just talking to the girls. And I just kind of looked. And he kind of looked at me like, well, I'm here taking pictures. Do, like, do you want to? to get a picture with me and I'm like ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so will you send us that picture my, too yeah yeah okay, so my you. my phone was acting up it was like a an old like an iPhone 5 or something it was a little iPhone and it was just it was freezing up it was time for a new one right so the the girl that was taking the picture she had trouble her nails were like a foot long and <laughs> she she just couldn't snap it so it was like it it would have been a great picture, but like the minute she snapped it, I was like, "Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry," because I was keeping him there longer than he should have been. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I I'm like, I'm so so sorry, you know. And it was like, no, and and it's like, his arm around. I'm like, damn, he's fit, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So then she got the picture, and it looked like hell. I was like, you know, like it, right in that moment when you're done smiling, and then you're like, ah, oh, damn it, you know. Yeah. That's when she snapped it. So it was a shitty picture. I didn't want to bother him for another one. And I'm like, thank you so much. And he's like, 
you know, he did the namaste, you know, as well. And I've, I've, so sad. and I'm like, oh, where's Dean? Where's Dean? And he's like, oh, like drinking, drinking, right? That he makes holds sense. his hands up like he's drinking. Yeah, drinking. And um, I'm like, cool, thanks. So I didn't bother him anymore. So um, uh, eventually, when him and his a few of the people of his entourage left, he tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, and he waved <sighs> goodbye to me, and I and he did the namaste, and I'm like, I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for not being weirded out that I hid in the shadows, oh, yeah, stalking you out I of the bathroom. You in the bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, so being in Hollywood, it, it 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 was awesome. So after all of that, I realized that we have gone like four days over time, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, uh, I really wanted to talk about the night paralysis, but. We really didn't get to that. And I apologize. We had a good time, a good talk, but it I'm just means I'm going to have to come back. You're going to have to come yeah, back. I guess we're going to have to have you back another time. <laughs> because that's like a whole nother 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first time we've ever left on like a teaser. Yeah, we don't typically leave on a teaser. No, but I, I've actually heard the night paralysis story. I have uh, not. The night that I won the tickets to go on the tour. So it's really, really good. And we're going nice. to have you come back. And I'm really Absolutely. excited. Also, I am so excited to find out so many things about you that I didn't know. I feel like part of why it took so long is I feel like we spent a lot of time getting to know each other on the podcast. It's so, so right. exciting. <laughs> you know, and the thing, too, with the night paralysis, since I've seen you, I, I don't know if I told you about my stay at the Waterfront Plaza. No. So that's another. Oh, it'll be a new another chapter. Another teaser. That's, something I haven't heard yet. Yeah. And that's going to incorporate in with the night paralysis because that, that, that's another story there. I am so, so that's, excited. It, that's keeping it local and that's going to get out there for people to be like, what the waterfront plaza? Yeah. So yeah, there's a, Sounds a, like a really badass your story there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, before, before we head out here though, you should tell them what you're doing in Duluth. Okay, so uh, generally my tours start around June and run through maybe the first week of October. I went way over um, last year and the weather was miserable. I had to cancel a lot of tours. I'm not doing that again this year. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. if, if you want to take a tour, the best time to be able to book is between June through September is the, the best opportunity. I'm at Duluth Ghost Tours. And uh, through that website, you can also see some of my other side endeavors as well that I do for a living during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> gotta and get that side hustle. Gotta get that side hustle. That's right. So, yeah. So, if you're looking for things to do, I want to do more, like, indoor events when the weather's crappy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to do a meetup at the Northeastern in Cloquet. It's one of the oldest bars, probably <gasps> in Minnesota, slash second oldest bar in Minnesota. I mean, and I'll there's go. some serious history up there. Um, we'll talk about it. I, when, yeah. when, when she plans it, we'll, I, we'll I, let you all know about I it. I think it's, like, in another week and a half. <laughs> I've got it up on my website. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, and because the snow is still up now, it might not be a full outdoor walking tour. Right. I just might turn it into let's just meet at the north northeastern, and I'll talk to you guys about the history, talk about the um, the the fires that happened, some of the tragedy, yeah. and this bar and the history of this bar, and we'll just have a beer and hang out and bring some paranormal equipment and go in the back room and play around and see what kind of things we can pick up. 
That is awesome. Awesome. We'll also share all of her links and everything when we post the episode. So Absolutely. if you didn't catch it, we'll just make it so you can just click on it. Uh-huh. Yep. And and then obviously we have to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I gotta we find out it. more. Yeah, we gotta know more. Yeah. Um, so uh this week we learned a lot. Uh most importantly, we learned that you have met Jared Padalecki. <laughs> Above all else. And I am going to have to (laughs) surpass that when I go to Austin, Texas next weekend where I will be visiting the Family Business Brewing Company and I will meet Jensen Ackles. Jared's out there too, though? No, Jansen is, though. Just Jensen. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know he's He owns it. He owns it. He owns a brewery. Called the Family Business Brewing Company. And Mm -hmm. I... He, he, I have no reason to think he's going to be there, but in my brain, he's going to be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. And then I'm going to say, I just had someone on my podcast who met your brother. <laughs> yeah. so, and it's going to go really weird and yep, confusing. I am convinced that your story is the reason that I will meet Jensen Ackles. And I'll just be here in Duluth, Minnesota. Not meeting either of those <laughs> handsome men. <laughs> Maybe we'll find a reason for you to meet Misha. And you'll be fine. Sure, I do love Misha. And then the trifecta will be complete. If you have a paranormal story you would like to share, you can do so by the emailing us directly leftofskeptic.gmail.com. You can also visit our this website. This week's episode is edited by me, The Left of Skeptic Music is by Dave Malik You can also click the link tree in our bio. Okay, You can choose Bye. to include your name or remain anonymous, whatever you are most comfortable with. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Thank you, Kim, for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. I can't wait for you to come back. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy Spooky Wednesday. We love and appreciate you. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) Ready to say it with us? Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.